Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Being in and out of lockdown for much of the last year has been tough on everyone. But spare a thought for those of us We've been locked down alone. Most of the apps found somewhere between 20 and 25% um, increase in the pandemic of people using them because it really was the only truly safe way to talk to somebody new was via your phone. With the isolation of lockdown driving more and more people to online dating, it's little wonder that Whitney Wolf Heard, the founder and CEO of Bumble, a dating app that empowers women to make the first move, has just become the world's youngest female self-made billionaire. She is now valued at $1.6 billion, which is about £1.2 billion. As an entire industry has sprung up to help people find a connection, are apps changing the way we live and love? You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana. Today, the woman and the app, changing the way we date. I do have some great dating stories. I'm not sure that any of them are appropriate necessarily for the broadcast. <laughs> and now I <laughs> want to hear them even more. <laughs> <laughs> I think that might be the late night version of the podcast. That's Jane Mulcurrens assistant editor of The Times magazine and online dating aficionado. Do you fancy the look of somebody from a very quick picture and then you swipe right to say yes, you swipe left to say no? She's currently helping me set up a dating profile on Bumble. As a certifiable dinosaur, I've never actually tried online dating, but the producer Leona has persuaded me to give it a go. For the purposes of journalism, obviously. The idea is that men can't initiate any conversation. Women have to make the first move. So when you're on Bumble as a woman, if you match with somebody, it's up to you to initiate the conversation. In same-sex matches, anyone can initiate the conversation. And you only have 24 hours to do it. After 24 hours, that match disappears. I'm opening it up now. Instantly wants quite a bit of information. I think the best place to start is by selecting the pictures that you want to put 
on there. No sunglasses in pictures. You know, you want to be able to see people's faces. If you have nice pictures with friends or family or pets or things that show your personality and people you love, it's good to include a few of those too. This is going to sound terrible, but some of them should show your full length. There are all sorts of rules around the sort of pictures you can use. No posing with guns, for example, and no shirtless pictures either. I don't know if that makes a big difference uh, <laughs> when you're choosing your picture. Nudity, okay? Yeah, I think I can definitely work with those rules. <laughs> it's actually very difficult when you're trying to find six pictures of yourself that you like. I might just take one of myself now. <laughs> it's asking for my birthday. Okay, yep. Confirm your age. Okay. Woman, man, non-binary. I like the fact that it has a non-binary option. Now, it's asking what sort of mode I want to be in. Is it dating, BFF or biz? Oh, I think you should be in dating, sorry. I'm interested in men. It gives you various options there. Yep. Women make the first move. When you match with someone, you have to send a message first. Got it. You've got 24 hours to connect. Got it. Okay, before you swipe, welcome. <laughs> We're excited to be part of your dating journey. Here we treat everyone with kindness and respect, no matter their race, religion, nationality. There's a long list here. Ethnicity, skin colour, ability, size, sex, gender, identity or sexual orientation. I've just agreed. I'm not quite sure yes. what I've agreed to. Oh, God. It's, in, if you, it's immediately brought up uh, a picture of a man. There you go. God, looking quite intensely into the, into the <laughs> camera, clearly. And it's uh, asking me to swipe one way or the other. Right. Okay. I think I'm going to go no on this. Okay. Wow. And it's just brought up another profile. As you use it more and more, it does learn your preferences. This is fascinating. <laughs> I'm probably going to waste a bit of the morning going through it. It is, it is a huge time suck. Is it quite compulsive? Does totally it compulsive. It can become a bit mindless. So what is the best strategy on this? Often you might make an intro to someone and they don't respond at all, which is a bit of a lead balloon. But that's the same in real life too. But once you get to the chatting stage, I think what's very important with all apps is not to let it become a pen friend conversation, not to let mm. it go on for weeks and weeks and weeks uh, without actually. Really? Yeah, because I think otherwise you get too used to it being something that's just in your phone and not really in your life. One of my very good friends who is a, a very experienced app data, she says she would have three or four back and forths. And then she would say, let's meet, even if it's just for a quick coffee or something. But she wouldn't let it go on for too long because otherwise you sort of lose momentum. And also, to be honest, you're wasting your own time. If you're really interested in meeting someone and yeah. you're spending weeks and weeks chatting with someone, you don't really know until you get in front of them whether there's any chemistry. And you can't replicate chemistry in an app. That's one thing the algorithms can't give you yet. In the pandemic, I did go back and uh, try Bumble again and Hinge, mainly because I was just so bored of being at home and not having any conversations with anyone new. And Jane is not alone. Most of the apps found somewhere between 20 and 25% um, increase in the pandemic of people using them because it really was the only truly safe way to talk to somebody new was via your phone. Thank you so much for doing this today, Fresway. I know how busy you are. And oh, honestly, Jane, you're amazing. And it's really good to see you it's again. It's so good to see you. Jane recently logged on for a Zoom call with Whitney Wolf Heard, interviewing her for The Times magazine. I think what's fascinating about this dating concept is the pandemic is almost ripped off this film that was fogging people's understanding of the benefit 
of meeting digitally first. Mm. And now people recognize it. This wasn't the first time Jane had met Whitney. I first went to meet Whitney Wolf Hurd about four years ago in Austin, Texas. Bumble HQ was this two-bedroom apartment in uh, downtown Austin, Texas. It was a tiny little place. The second bedroom was a store cupboard for all of their Bumble merch and all of the ten Bumble staff, merch? Bumble what, merch. What qualifies as Bumble merch? Oh, I've got a great jumper that they gave me which says honey on it and uh, some <laughs> ice cube trays. They've got champagne, all sorts of Bumble merch, neckerchiefs. It's all yellow and black. There was 10 staff in this office and Whitney's Labrador who was wearing a good amount of Bumble merch and they were crammed into this tiny little place and there were I think 20 more members of the team across New York, London and LA. And it was obvious that they were incredibly dedicated to what they were doing. The company and Whitney already had a very high profile. She had just at that point been named on the Forbes 30 under 30 list. But I guess no one knew just how big it was going to be. Since then, Bumble has had a stratospheric rise. It now has 42 million users and employs more than 700 staff. And Whitney Wolf heard at the age of 31, has just become a billionaire. It's a long way from where it all began. Whitney was born in Salt Lake City, Utah. Which is a predominantly Mormon state. Her family aren't Mormon themselves. Her dad's Jewish, her mum's Catholic. But she says that because of the overriding culture, she was very aware of the patriarchy growing up. Here's Whitney Wolfherd speaking to Jane. The culture was predominantly Mormon and in the Mormon society in Salt Lake City or back in, you know, the early 90s, let's see, I was born in 89. That religion was the the dominating cultural force in our town. And so I've always felt to some degree, never accepted anywhere because I was never Jewish enough to be Jewish, right? I was half Jewish and I was never Catholic enough to be Catholic, (laughs) but I was never even Mormon at all. Right. So I had to just observe all of these communities and observe the way that they place restrictions on people. And Mm. if you think about that observation, I've kind of done the opposite at Bumble with the same construct. Whitney's first foray into the world of dating apps came just as the industry was about to take off. She worked on the development team of a new app called Tinder. When it launched back in 2012, Tinder revolutionised dating by allowing users to swipe right or left to like or dislike other profiles based on their photos and a few words. It took the dating world by storm, profoundly changing the way people meet and engage. She became the vice president of marketing at 23. And she was also dating another one of the founders. But, ironically, that relationship at the heart of an industry built on dating soon fell apart. She ended the relationship and she has claimed was then subject to some very vicious abuse by him. And she left the company and sued them for sexual harassment and was given an undisclosed sum, which has been rumoured to be a million dollars. After she left Tinder and was given this undisclosed but hefty payout, was subjected to very widespread online abuse and harassment because the case was reported so widely. People really turned on her. The real story is this. 
when I came out of that lawsuit, I had been turned on by everyone. I had been turned on by friends. I had been turned on by the public on social media. I had been turned on by friends of my parents who were like, oh, you know, so-and-so said uh, they read this about you. And, you know, you're really, this is not a good look. So I was given this scarlet letter Mm. and I'm 24 years old. I'm now out of one of the world's hottest startups that I helped build. And my life is over as I know it. So I decide to take back control over my life and my narrative and to try and do something that would help solve the problem I was living through, which was online toxicity and abuse. Mm. Why is the internet so terrible and mean? I was treated better in the street on a public street than I was on my phone and your phone is in bed. It's intimate. It's, you know, you can't get away from it. So this whole notion of Whitney had everything handed to her, I was on the verge of not going forward in many ways. But out of that bleak period came the idea for a new app. Her initial idea was actually to come up with an app in which women gave each other compliments. It was going to be called Mercy, and she wanted a way of complimenting each other because she thinks that's lacking in real life. But instead, Whitney was approached by a Russian businessman, Andrei Andreev, who at the time ran Badoo, which was the biggest social networking platform in the world. He said to her that he wanted to invest in her. She proposed mercy to him and he said, yeah, it's a nice idea. I like the female aspect of it. But he said, dating apps is what we know. It's what you have shown you know. And together, they came up with the idea of Bumble. A female-focused dating app. It marketed itself as an alternative dating platform which allowed women to make the first move and hoped that that would cut down on the toxicity and abuse that can sometimes be found online. What I think has been our driving force is identify things that we either don't like about society, what is dangerous, what is unfair, what doesn't fit with our values, and how can we further our mission through building safer, more accountable, kinder technology. Mm. And that is going to require some decisions that not everyone likes, Mm. right? We don't mind if that upsets people because we don't want that behavior here. For a dating app, Bumble has some lofty ambitions about cultural change. Men have been told since they're little boys that in order to get a girl's attention, if they are heterosexual, they kind of need to be mean to them, right? And girls have been told that if a boy is mean to you, it means he likes you. Right. And these things we've ingrained in society from a young age, they then take shape online. So Mm. if a man now has been trained, I have to go after the girl, I have to go after Mm. the girl. He also knows that he'll probably be rejected. And so when he's rejected, he becomes aggressive sometimes or abusive sometimes or toxic sometimes. Mm. And so Bumble really just wants to say, Hey, let's just stop it in its tracks and try to shift Mm. gears. Do I think we're solving the world's problems? No. Do I think that by making small tweaks Mm. through product and technology, do you have the potential to shift behavior in a more positive direction? Yes. Mm. 
when she wanted to set up Bumble and, you know, was was looking for more investment and things like that, people said to her, it will never work. There's no point in having a female dating app. Women won't use it. Women won't want to make the first move. Um, there was an awful lot of criticism uh, of her and her ideas, which I think has only made her even more determined to make it successful. I also think it just shows the naivety and perhaps arrogance of members of the tech community. And for her personally, I mean, would it have been easy to do that, to to cut through, if she hadn't had a financial backer? Some people are quite disparaging of her success because they say that she got the money to really found Bumble from a man, you know, a man who already had uh, a large tech business up and running. He really does deserve that credit for seeing my vision, seeing what I wanted to do and giving me the support and the resources. But that doesn't mean all of a sudden we had a successful company, right? Yeah. It still required blood, sweat and tears and candidly more scrutiny and more pressure than other entrepreneurs in that situation because I was up against the entire tech space saying, this woman is a this, that, this, that. She'll never win. Look at her. She's trying to take on the boys. All of this stuff. So I was under double pressure, right? Yeah. And getting funding was not promised. People can say whatever they want to say. The reality is Badoo's also made investments in a lot of other businesses that you've never heard of and they don't exist anymore. I think people underestimate Whitney and they want to underestimate her because I think it's a lot easier for people to believe that she only did this with the help of a man instead of believing that a 31-year-old woman could do this on her own. A lot has changed in the intervening years. Now, Bumble has over 700 employees, I think, worldwide. And Whitney Wolfherd took the company public in February this year. So it floated on the New York Stock Exchange. And four hours after floating, she became not only the youngest female CEO at 31 ever to take a company public, but she became the world's youngest self-made female billionaire. She is now valued at $1.6 billion, which is about £1.2 billion. Wow. Yeah. All from dating. That's that's amazing. All from dating. That's also quite a turnaround from being fired from Tinder. Yes, I mean, I think in that sense, it's such a great revenge story, really. After an ignominious departure from Tinder and really a, a very dark time in her life at 24, that at 31, she is this extraordinary figurehead and she's still only 31. I mean, she's got she's got a long way to go. I mean, she's got very many ambitions and it is pretty extraordinary that a dating app has made someone a billionaire in the space of six years. I should also point out that her now husband is an oil heir. So combined, their value is much more than 1.6 billion. I mean, just out of interest, did Whitney meet her oil heir husband on Bumble? Alas, no. That would have Uh. been the most perfect story ever, wouldn't it? She met her husband in Aspen. They're both big skiers. And apparently he walked into the Little Nell, which is this very luxurious hotel in Aspen, and was wearing ski gear and cowboy boots because he is a 
rodeo rider and sat down by the fire beside Whitney and said, hey, you've got a dot com. And she then asked him if his cowboy boots were slippy in the snow. And he said he was a proper cowboy and could handle it. And that's it. And they got married. Oh, there's a meet cute for you. <laughs> Such a meet cute. They got married in the autumn of 2017 in a castle in uh, Positano on the Amalfi Coast. The success of Bumble has made Whitney Wolf Hurd a billionaire. But are these dating apps changing relationships forever? We'll have more in just a moment. Get to the heart of the stories that matter every day. Subscribe to The Times and The Sunday Times today and get one month free. Visit thetimes.co.uk forward slash stories of our times. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The female-focused dating app, Bumble, has been wildly successful, but it's also come in for its fair share of criticism over the years. I did think that she was impressive just because she was so passionate and articulate, but also open to criticism of the app. Perhaps surprisingly, one strong criticism has come from feminists. Some have pointed out that whilst Bumble is aimed at helping women navigate the world of dating, it's aimed at a very particular target audience. In the early days, at least, it was an app aimed at white, upper-middle-class women. Yeah, that's it. it's a very fair criticism, not just of Bumble, but of all app dating and of quite a lot of social media overall, is that it's not as diverse or as inclusive as it should be. And Whitney would be the first to hold her hand up and say that it is one of her shortcomings. When I started Bumble, I was trying to solve a problem for myself and women I knew. Mm. And the reality of that, being completely transparent and open, is that most of those women looked the same. Mm. And so the problems I was trying to solve for them are very different than the problems that women of color face, right? Mm. And so one of my biggest shortcomings and my biggest mistakes in my career 
is not prioritizing that sooner. There's numerous studies over the past few years that have found serious inequities in, in the experiences of users that black women consistently receive fewer matches on dating apps and I think followed by black men. Also reports about black women and women of colour being fetishized or hypersexualized on apps and dating apps. There are issues there with diversity and users' experiences of apps. So now Bumble does have a big diversity team that's aimed at trying to solve those challenges, not just by people's experiences depending on their ethnicity, but all sorts of minority statuses and marginalized groups. So people with disabilities, people with sight impairment, things like that. She doesn't think that Bumble's perfect, but she wants to make it the best that it possibly can be. She's very willing to talk about her own mistakes mistakes, challenges, drawbacks. It's it's quite extraordinary to meet someone who's so successful, but who's so willing to really expose their own weaknesses. I don't think I've met many male founders who operate in the same way. I, I did once interview one of the co-founders of Tinder, the one who remained, and it wasn't the same sort of interview. And I will say, actually, he was swiping on his phone during our interview, which I found a bit off-putting. One of the biggest issues facing dating apps like Tinder and Bumble is the tendency of some male users to send unsolicited pictures of parts of their anatomy. So one of Bumble's aims was to stamp this out, but not only on the app. I mean, they lobbied the Texas legislature to to make it a crime to send anyone an unsolicited naked picture of parts of your body. And so now in Texas, that is illegal. If you send someone an unsolicited naked picture, you are fined $500. And they want to take that federally. They want to take on catcalling online. They want to take on, you know, harassment online. They really do want to get this stuff off the app and actually instituted into laws, which I think ties in very well again with this moment that we're at. Harassment in the street is going to become illegal in the UK. And I do think that that Whitney is kind of ahead of the curve on this stuff. It does in some ways have, you know, certainly generationally, the power to, to change societal attitudes. You know, if a lot of people are on apps like Bumble, you know, that just becomes normal. It becomes normal to wait for the woman to make a move, for example. Absolutely. Do you think she's aware of sort of the, the power these apps have in, ter- in terms of shaping human behaviour? You know, you talked about how they can sort of play on your fears too. There is something sort of quite compulsive about them. Mm. Does she worry about the ethical responsibilities around all that? I do think that, that Whitney particularly does worry about the ethical uh, responsibility as well, actually. I would say she's very mindful of that. The Bumble team of moderators is colossal. And so if, for example, if you're being harassed by somebody or you don't like someone's behaviour and you block them, you can report that very easily. But also they have an AI that looks for trigger words, which could be anything from graphic swear words to things like suicide. They do think about the responsibility they have towards their users. And when these words are flagged up, they investigate it. And then there are also hundreds of human moderators who will go in uh, and look at it too. So they are trying to safeguard as much as possible. But in terms of the shaping of human behaviour, we're at a new dawn really, aren't we, in terms of looking at how technology is shaping our world. And I think... She thinks hard about the positives that Bumble can do in terms of shaping dating culture and gender dynamics. But I think none of us know what harm it can do yet. I mean, we're really only just finding out. But I do think one of the things that's good about Bumble is that 
when those issues and those problems come up, they do care about adjusting them, making changes, solving them. I mean, I think there's such a delicious irony that the problem that she was solving has made her a billionaire, especially when that problem was sort of, you know, confounded by her competitor now. But I don't think she started out just to become a billionaire. She started out because she wanted to try and solve something for herself and other women. She's not without ambition. She's got very big goals for what Bumble can do. Let's start with dating. Mm. Let's fix dating. But that's just step one. That's just a stepping stone. Dating needs to be recalibrated. And when we fix dating, then we fix friendships. Because when you change the way women feel in their romantic relationships, they no longer feel like they need to be competitive and cruel to each other. I mean, there is something really interesting about that, though, isn't there? That that sort of whole Silicon Valley tech world and the way it takes on these huge problems, which you know inflict society and and thinks it can solve them with an app. So, you know, the idea that you can fix dating. Absolutely. Um, you know, we used to talk about about big bankers as the masters of the universe, mm. and now you've got these sort of you know twenty somethings in the tech world who are. Yeah going to solve everything. I think that Silicon Valley does have uh, a God complex. I I really think it does. And and I have to say, I'm not surprised. I think part of the problem is that though a lot of the people involved in it are young and inexperienced, and while they are colossally skilled and big thinkers, perhaps don't have the experience behind them to put the brakes on in ways that are necessary, or even to create a great corporate culture. I mean, one of the things that you see a lot in the tech world is that while the company can be extraordinarily successful, there might be a lot of complaints about how it's run internally. And even while it's making great inroads into markets, its own employees are desperately unhappy because it takes it, you know, it takes experience to know how to run a company. So I do think that there's a very interesting dynamic at play in tech that sometimes the most successful companies are the most miserable places to be. Do you think in her ambition of wanting to fix dating, I mean has it worked? You know, from your own experience, is is Bumble the answer? Uh, I don't know that it's the answer, but I think it's certainly contributing to the conversation. And I think as long as we're having those conversations, then things have to be improving. It's really important to be talking about safety online. I think it's really important to talk about women having the same equity in dating as men have always had. I think it's important that women feel able to make the first move. I don't think an app can fix everything, but I definitely think it can start conversations about it, which can hopefully contribute towards making progress. For Whitney Wolf Heard, the last few years have been a hell of a ride. She's become a billionaire businesswoman. She got married, she had a baby, and suffered postnatal depression. As a result, her attitude to work has evolved. For one thing, She doesn't wake up at all hours of the night to check her emails anymore. That was toxic behaviour, both for myself, but also toxic because me saying that I'm doing that, Mm. it showed young girls or entrepreneurs or even team members, perhaps, that that's what they should do. And that's how you get to where you get. That message is terrible. Mm. And I'm regretful for A, ever doing that. But the reality is I did work around the clock for too many years and it was very unhealthy. And it's a behavior I do not suggest anyone follow. And I think that I have missed a lot of life. It's not just Whitney who's changed. So has her app, Bumble. 
They are no longer part of Badoo. They were invested in by Blackstone, which is another large company that it's part of. And obviously now that they are a publicly traded company, it's a very different proposition to that which it was four years ago. But I think essentially, fundamentally, it's still all about the same things. It's still about connection. They are looking at having uh, real life venues. So they want to have Bumble coffee shops and things like that. I don't think you're going to see you know, all sorts of unconnected Bumble spin-offs. I think it's always going to be about connection. Not too much of the merch. Enough merch, just enough merch. Where does she want Bumble to lead in the future? I think she's too wise an entrepreneur to actually, um, you know, stick her head above the parapet and say exactly what she's what she's going to do. But I think, yeah, the friendship finding space is the next big space that she sees exploding. Bumble already has a section of the app specifically focused on finding friendship and business contacts. It's because we're lonely. And guess what? Even when you're in love, you can still be lonely. You still need friends. You still need support. And if you're single, even potentially less or more lonely, right? We are creatures of community. We need community. We were not built to be alone. The isolation has been torturous for millions and millions and billions of people around the planet. And Facebook is for people you know. Bumble is for people you don't know yet. I mean, I should just say in the meantime, by the way, my phone is is pinging. It's just come up (laughs) with a message saying 31 bees out there are hoping you're about to like them back with a yellow heart. Well, that's your afternoon sorted, isn't it? (laughs) It's slightly horrifying, to be honest. Oh, my God. But it doesn't leave you alone, does it, once you... Well, this is why I have all notifications turned off, because it is quite distracting. It clearly takes a bit of getting used to. I'm not sure I'll last. As with all great advances in technology, the impact on users isn't always predictable. For Jane, at least, the experience of actually using Bumble has been complicated. The sort of Pavlovian instinct that it that it sort of that it inspires in me, I find really difficult because you know if I have my notifications on like you have now, I would want to know who these people were and what they were saying to me, and, and was I interested in them? And then if I swiped on them and they didn't swipe back, I'd suddenly find myself disappointed. And that's not really the way that I behave in real life. I'm mm. very confident in real life, and I'm, I'm you know I'm, I'm quite happy in my own skin. And I don't know, there's something about the way that apps make me behave that feels that just doesn't feel particularly healthy for me. But it's fascinating because clearly the the algorithms that these apps work on are designed to try to understand human behaviour, but in Mm. a way it feels like they're kind of shaping it. Our human responses are being shaped and changed by the apps we're on. Absolutely. Which is a really unhealthy cycle. (laughs) Yes, and I think that's such an interesting aspect of technology, especially this new and quite untested technology. You know, if Bumble is changing dating culture for the better in terms of kindness, apps can also change culture for the worse. Whitney Wolfherd would tell you that that it's not meant to replicate or, or, or replace the ability to go and chat somebody up. It's another way to make a connection and then you can go and chat them up in real life that you still have to do that. But I would just say, you know, some of my greatest, most fondly remembered meet cutes, as they'd say in Hollywood, have been, you know, being chatted up by someone on the tube or in a bar or sort of, you know, as someone's made a a, a witty remark to you and you think, oh gosh, right. And it's the element of, of randomness that makes 
you know, initial romance and dating so exciting? The answer, perhaps, is a healthy mix of both. I do worry that if we're not able to look up out of our phones and look someone in the eye and chat to them, it's just going to be a bit boring for the human race. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to the subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times, with me, Manveen Rana, and my guest, Jane Mulcurrens, Assistant Editor at The Times magazine. You can read more of Jane's work at thetimes.co.uk or in print. The producer today was Leona Hamid. The executive producer is Poppy Damon, and sound design was by Falcon Kisseltuk. If there's a story that you'd like us to look into, any ideas for future episodes, or if you have any thoughts on what you've just heard, then please do drop us a line. You can email us at storiesofourtimes at thetimes.co.uk. See you again soon. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 